The web's Michael Smith. It's episode 170 of Kane's Cast. And you know what? What's that? We've got milestones, markers, and magic. I, I reference the magic. We don't actually have real magic. I was going to say, is like a magician going to come do some tricks or, uh, or what? You can give me $20 and I can make that disappear. That's a trick. Hi. No? Uh, I do that just because of our good friend, Sebastian Ajo, friend of the podcast here on Kane's Cast, when he joined Men in Blazers. And every time I think of Men in Blazers in soccer, I immediately go to So I Married an Axe Murderer when a goal is scored in that movie. And Mike Myers goes, magic! If you haven't seen uh, Sebastian Ajo's interview it's awesome. on Men in Blazers, you can find it on NHL.com slash Hurricanes or Hurricanes.com, more cloak colloquially just say why easier. Chose that just say easier say. <laughs> it's just easier you know why yeah. it's like saying choose storm brew it's just the easy choice amongst all of the beers that you can drink why would you put yourself through a tough choice when the easy choice is storm brew because it's 97 calories and 2.4 carbs it's the official beer sponsor of Kane's Cast and the Carolina Hurricanes. You can get it for five bucks in a 16-ounce can at PNC Arena, where, by the way, more of you are allowed in the building now. Thank you, and hopefully even more as we continue to move forward in this season to all enjoy, after a Canes victory, a crisp, refreshing storm brew. It's just that easy. Thank you, R&D Brewing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to R&D Brewing uh, for brewing Storm Brew and other tasty beverages like Seven Saturdays, uh, Isla Hard Seltzers. They've got really anything that you're searching for, R&D Brewing provides it. But we here on Kane's Cast prefer Storm Brew because it's tasty and crushable and delicious. Absolutely. And crispy. Absolutely. So, all right, let's talk some hockey. The Hurricanes yes. have played uh, four games since we last spoke to you, uh, since we were last uh, very socially distanced one of us in raleigh one of us in chicago uh now we're back in raleigh where we will be for quite some time uh the hurricanes with a season-long eight-game homestand uh four two-game sets against some central division opponents one two-game set already in the books uh as of this recording on wednesday april 7th uh the hurricanes in the middle of a second two-game set against uh the team that's leading the Central Division right now, the Florida Panthers. At the time of this recording, yes. At the time of this recording, of course. Hopefully not by, I don't know, 10.05 on Thursday. Yeah. I don't know if Tampa plays tonight either. They're in the mix as well. Tampa plays on Thursday. There you go. So nothing will change if you're listening to this on Wednesday evening. Nothing's going to change just yet. Uh, but the Hurricanes... Uh, an exciting game against Florida on Tuesday night. Oh, but man. before we get to that, uh, let's rewind it uh, and go back to Chicago, um, you know, where the Hurricanes were, uh, you know, uh, took the loss in the first game, um, close that, to one game. That ended March, a 10-win month for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Uh, team wasn't able to put an exclamation point on the month, but, but still. 20 what was it 24 out of 28 points or 22 of 22 of 28 uh that's a pretty good month yeah and uh the hurricanes then were able to bounce back uh in their second game in chicago yes fast with the the big game-winning goal in the last 30 seconds of regulation 29 seconds left um really just a a great play from uh that started in the hurricane zone zone with a face-off win um and then yes fast finding the back of the net to lift the Hurricanes to victory in their second game in Chicago. Um, that kind of put... Uh, that started off April right because that was on April Fool's Day, April 1st. Uh, and then the Hurricanes came back home where um, uh, they have a pretty good record here at PNC Arena this season. Uh, had just lost one game in regulation coming into this eight-game homestand uh, prior to that first game against Dallas. But uh, we can dive into to all of that and more, but uh, any lingering thoughts from uh, the Hurricanes' 3-2, uh, or excuse me, 4-3 victory up in Chicago last uh, last Thursday? Well, one, Jesper Faust, for those of you who love stats, uh, and I'm finding out people either can't get enough stats or don't want to hear about stats because if we say stats, it then influences the outcome of the game. 
But if we don't say stats, people don't think we know what's going on in the game. So I'm very confused as to how to proceed forward with bringing up numbers and things to people. So what do you have? Uh, that Jesper Faust became just the seventh player in the history of the organization to score a game-winning goal in regulation with less than 30 seconds left. Yep. That's a stat I think we can all be happy about. Yeah, that's a good one. So just wanted to put that out there. That's a good one. And, uh, yeah, very timely goal, obviously. Um, and and like we said, a good, a good play that started in the hurricane zone zone with Vincent Trotrek winning the faceoff. Um, and... Uh, the Hurricanes working the puck up the boards, Vincent Trocek with speed into the neutral zone. Um, Kevin Lincoln uh, had to make a, a pretty good save yeah. on Trocek's scoring chance because it, the puck deflected off Calvin DeHaan, uh, but he kicked the rebound right out onto the slot, and Jesper Foss was there to to put it in, off the post and, and in. But that's really one of the things that I, I, I want to talk about that is Vincent Trocek misses eight games with an upper body injury and – we weren't really sure if it was going to be longer. Still not 100% on what the upper body injury was, just it's an upper body situation uh, that he dealt with and uh, came back. And it's like he never left. I mean, he has been on absolute fire. And it started in that 2-1 game against Chicago. Yeah. And then he just carries it back over into the 4-3 game where, as you mentioned, he makes the play and then Jesper Faust is there to wrap the puck home and, and you know when people like to do you know who's the MVP of the team and, and you know who's the unsung player all of these things how good of a fit for the Carolina Hurricanes has Jesper Faust been this year yeah I really mean good. it was like he was the perfect free agent for the Canes for what they needed for the role that he can play and the things that he can do and how he just seamlessly in Michael, you're around it way more than me. How he seamlessly fit into this locker room in maybe the most trying year to try to fit into a locker room and be part of a group that you were an outsider with the year before. Yeah, I mean he's a typical quiet Swede, but I think he's he's opened up as the years gone on. Um, I think we talked about it on the podcast when the Hurricanes first signed him. He he's just the perfect fit. He's not the splashy signing. The Hurricanes kind of had that splashy offseason the, the the year before uh, in making a, a couple moves, a couple signings. And, you know, things at the start of the year, it, it took a minute for the team to kind of figure it out and gel and, and, and come together. And so I think, you know, heading into heading into this season with, with, with that in mind, um, Rod Brindamore is not a coach who, who likes to change a whole lot. And he had a group that he was pretty confident in. The front office was pretty confident in it. And they didn't feel the need to change much. Uh, they found a, a player in Jesper Faust who could just, it, you can just kind of plug him in anywhere. He's another one of those Swiss Army type of players. Sweet um, Army? Well, yeah, I guess he's not Swiss. Nino Swiss. He is um, a Sweet Army knife type of player who can play really anywhere. Uh, you look at him now, he's on a line with Sebastian Aho and Andrei Svechnikov. He's played with Vincent Trocek. He's played with Jordan Stahl. He's played on the fourth line. He, like a lot of players in the Hurricanes lineup, a name like Brock McGinn, uh, a name like Jordan Martinuk. I mean, there, there's so many names, so many players who have these varied skill sets and can have success uh, in, in different roles, on different lines. Um, and you know, he's a guy who, when you talk to teammates about him, about Jesper Fast, they say he just does it right every single game. And so to see him get rewarded with such a big goal like he was able to score in Chicago was was a lot of fun to see. And it was a it was, you know, kind of a, a reward for him for, for the hard work that he puts in. The work that, you know, doesn't always show up. Like Jordan Stahl sometimes. He you know, he does a lot of work that that doesn't show up on the score sheet. Obviously, it is this year. But Jesper Faust, uh, you know, finding the score sheet with a, with a huge goal, game-winning goal to, to really uh, start off the month of April right for the Hurricanes. Um, his teammates were happy for him. He was happy, obviously. Uh, and it was, a, uh, it was a happy plane ride home, thanks to uh, Jesper Faust's game-winning goal. We'll talk more about Jordan Stahl and all of the things that he does, because I'm glad that you brought it up. He does so many things that... People don't notice, but he does so many things. Uh, I want to circle back to one of the things that you said where you were pointing out names like McGinn and yep. Martinuk and Faust. 
I think it's this whole team, Michael. The strength of the Carolina Hurricanes is Sebastian Ajo can center a line with Jesper Faust and Andrei Svechnikov on Tuesday. And on Thursday, you can put Marty Natchez and Nino Niederreiter with them, and the production's going to be there. Yeah. And those those wingers play completely different for Sebastian Ajo yeah. than the two that he played with the night before. I, I think that, to me, is is what's just been amazing for this team. So the other thing, you know, the Canes, they lose that last game in March to Chicago. Uh, Chicago, I got to give them credit for the, the game that closed out the month. They really played a sound defensive game. I mean, they, they get the lead, and they're like, all right, we're going to shut this down, and we, we haven't expected that from them. Park and the, the bus. The Canes come back. And there's another soccer reference for you right there. Mm. Canes come back the next night, just do what they do, and find a way to get the win. And then, all right, on to the Dallas Stars. That's who we got to play next. Yeah, uh, uh, a different team in that, you know, they probably play the, I would say, the heaviest game in the division. Um, they, I think that's easy to say, yeah. They are your kind of prototypical Western Conference, big, physical, heavy, muck it up through the neutral zone, not a lot of room out there. Um, you know, you play a series against them, even just a two-game series like the Hurricanes just played, and you come out of it and you're like, ooh, you know, you, you kind of feel that. Columbus plays that to an extent. But they're not. I don't think they're built in the same way that Dallas they're not, Stars are built. They're not as heavy as Dallas. Um, so yeah, the, matching up against Dallas is is almost a a completely unique kind of experience, especially in this division that's such a mix of uh, you know teams that typically play in the Eastern Conference, teams that play in the Western Conference, and they present a new challenge. And they're a team that is is desperate right now. They've they've got games in hand, but those only matter if you win the games. Yet they're within striking distance of a playoff spot. This is a team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year. They're getting healthier. And um, you know, they came in, in in the first game and and sort of just grinded out a victory. I thought Jake Ottinger played extremely well in that first game and and really was um, a big reason why the Stars were able to to uh, come away with the win in that first game. Um, but it's just, it, it's such a grind games against the Dallas Stars. Um, and uh, and that's kind of what happened in game one. They came in and they just grinded out a victory against the Hurricanes. Yeah, and you mentioned Jake Ottinger. Goaltending now becomes the focal point of, of where we go here on Kane's cast because in game two, it was Peter Morazic making his return first time since January 31st, ironically enough, against the Dallas Stars. It was in this building when Max McCormick crashed into him and the thumb injury occurred on Morazic's blocker hand on his right thumb. Yep. He comes in. Now his two wins before his injury were shutouts. Yes. He gets right back in the nets. Hasn't played in 31 NHL games. Now he did have a conditioning start with the Chicago Wolves. And it's funny how that worked out. Like, Chicago had an afternoon game. The Canes were in Chicago. So, Peter Morazic could go play that conditioning game. Yep. Faced 45 shots. Yeah, that's a good conditioning game. And and real quickly on that, because that happened after we recorded last podcast, is, um, yeah, the, 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 the circumstances couldn't have been more ideal. Uh, Morazic goes on the road with the team. Um, Kane's assistant general manager and friend of the podcast, Darren York, uh, is with the team in Chicago. Uh, so he, uh, you know, walks to go pick up a rental car because, again, you know, rental cars can't be delivered to hotels, yeah. protocols and everything. Um, and then it, it's him, Peter Morazic and Max McCormick uh, making the hour drive uh, out to the, the Chicago Wolves practice facility uh, where they're playing games this season without fans, a chance for Max McCormick to, to get in a game, you know, because he's, um, uh, you know, after his shoulder injury that also occurred in that same game that, that Morazic got injured on, on January 30th here against Dallas. Uh, he hasn't seen much, much game action um, since then at, at really either level. So he gets a chance to play and for Morazic a chance to, to test out that thumb in a game because uh, there's only so much you can do in practice. Um, and for him to, to, to get a look at it in game, to get uh, to feel traffic in a game, to to kind of fight through screens, to battle 
um, you know, with players on top of the crease. It was really just the the, the ideal setup because then um, the three get back in a car and they're at United Center uh, before puck drop in that game on Thursday. So just it worked out perfectly. Um, it was kind of, I think, exactly too from a confidence standpoint what Mrazek needed um, because I do think there is, you know, mentally, physically everything was fine yeah. with his thumb. You just need to do it and know that you can come out of it. And exactly. How you'll feel when you're done. Exactly. So so that start allowed him to, I think, just more than anything, physically, yes, you want to come out of it okay, but mentally to just having that confidence knowing, okay, you know, the surgery happened, uh, the thumb's holding up fine, I can do this again. And then, of course, he steps into, uh, you know, the matchup with, with Dallas in that second game. Um, and doesn't have to do a lot. I, I think it kind of worked out perfectly the way the game went because I think his workload sort of steadily increased throughout the game. So it's not like he faced a barrage of shots early. Yeah, He didn't face a ton of shots early at all, and that's a credit to the, the group of five in front of him. But as the game went on, I think he saw some more quantity chances. He saw some more quality chances, and you know that, that was kind of the... Just as the conditioning start was was really the perfect conditioning start, this was a great start to to make uh, in his first game back in in after missing thirty one games, um, twenty eight saves again. You know, didn't have to see a lot, but in the third period, Jamie Benn in particular had a couple of great yeah. A chances um, out and, front deflections. Yeah, and and so Morazic had to had to do some fighting through screens, fighting through traffic. Um, he looked good. His rebound control was good, and. That's kind of just, uh, you know, it was, it was the perfect kind of return for him to have, you know, that missed 31 games to come back against the team uh, that, you know, he got injured against. Now, granted, it wasn't, it was obviously a, a freak collision, friendly fire in his own crease. And for it to happen too, two years to the night after um, the Hurricanes clinched their first playoff berth in a decade, you know, he, of course, with that, that passionate speech, uh, I'll never forget it. Speech interview, you know, whatever you want to call it. That passionate interview uh, on the bench with yourself. Um, one of the, I think, you know, signature moments in Kane's history. So two years uh, after that, you know, he returns to the crease, gets the 28-save shutout. The goal from Jordan Martinook, uh, a breakaway goal, was all that the Hurricanes needed. And um, uh, it was, was all that they got, too. It's all that so. they got. It's all that they needed. And, um, and that's... Uh, uh, the Hurricanes got back in the win column after um, after losing to the Dallas Stars in that first game of the two-game series. And Peter Morazic was obviously a, a huge part of that and will be a huge part of this goaltending picture moving forward. Yeah, and I think the amazing thing is you talk about a one nothing shutout in your first game in 31 NHL games that you've missed, first start since January 31st, you get a 28-save shutout. And his performance against the Florida Panthers where he lets in two was better. I mean, he was incredible against the Panthers on Tuesday night. Yeah, especially in the third period. Uh, you know, as the Hurricanes had just tied up the game um, and Mason Marchment, Noel Akari, Achari, excuse me. Achari, yeah. Um, both had really good looks. Uh, you know, Marchment kind of snuck behind the defense, had – I guess you could call it a breakaway. Oh yeah, Nolachari had a breakaway, and and then had and a Frank Vetrano. Vetrano had the follow up on the Achari breakaway. Yeah, and so it, it was. Uh, yeah, Morazic. That that's when. Um, that's when he really had his best. His best work of that game, um, and I think you know the Hurricanes going right back to him. You, you after he pitches a twenty eight save shutout in his return, you kind of have to go by, right back to him. I mean that's. Uh, you ride the hot hand, especially when, when he's hot, you definitely want to ride the hot hand. Well, not only that, Rod Brindamore talked about it at practice the next day or when you talk about going with the goaltender, why would you go back to Morazic? Well, you've got to get him in shape. Yeah. You've got to get him, and when you say in shape, he's in shape, but you've got to get him into game condition, which means he's got to play because you're not getting enough practice time to simulate anything close to that from here on out. No. So it, The games come too often and too close together and um and even today a day that was originally the hurricanes were supposed to practice at noon it turns into uh a, a limited practice so you know you don't have your big heavy minute eaters uh on the ice yeah. because you want to save them 
uh, for what matters, and, and that's obviously the game. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Peter play on Thursday. I wouldn't either. But the other part of this is no matter who the Canes put in net, they're going to have a chance to win, and that's all you can ask for as a head coach, as the guys who play in front of the goaltenders. And as the goaltenders, all you can ask for is the guys in front of you give you the chance to win the game. Yeah. You know, James Reimer's got 14 wins this year. Alex Nedeljkovic was the rookie of the month when he went 6-1-1 one, and one in March. I mean, you just take a look at what this team was able to put together in front of their goaltenders, and, and the confidence, it's circular. I was going to go, you know, it's like the flow. Feel it. All good things. Mm. But Circle of life. Thank you. I was going more happy Gilmore. Okay. Uh, but it's one of these things where everything is feeding off of everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, the offense is going good. The defense is playing as a unit of five. The goaltenders are making not just big saves, but timely saves. The defense is getting points. Dougie Hamilton's streak, the longest point streak in the NHL this year, was 14. That belongs to a defenseman. And that's now the organization's longest streak for a defenseman to have a game with a point. And then he went out and put up a couple of more points after that. Vincent Trocek, as we've already talked about and we can talk about again, if you're the Florida Panthers, I just have to think every time you see him step on the ice, you're just going, what What were we thinking? Oops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're, they're a good team this year. Imagine still having him on the roster. Uh, Alexander Barkov is one of the best centers in the National Hockey League. Imagine if you had Vincent Trocek right behind him. I mean, that's a, that's an incredible one-two punch, and now the Hurricanes have an incredible one-two punch. Even add a one-two-three punch. It, throw in a fourth there, too. But when you can roll out Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Trocek, Jordan Stahl, and then whoever's centering that fourth line, whether it's Steven Lorenz, whether it's Cedric Paquette, whether it's even Morgan Geeky on some nights, Jordan Martinook sometimes... That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good group down the middle. That's that. That's depth down the middle. Um, the most important part of your forward core uh, is what you're going to roll out down the middle. And the Hurricanes and that trade for for Vincent Trocheck last year at the trade deadline was a move that that really changed the dynamics of uh, their roster moving forward. The one thing that I look back at at going how this team is built. And, and why they're so good is what they are, and you just highlighted it, Michael, how good they are down the middle with Aho, Trocek, and Jordan Stahl. And now I want to throw in Stephen Lorenz has yeah. been asked to play center, and that fourth line, they had some shifts the other night that were outstanding. They had shifts against the Dallas Stars where they were energy, and it doesn't matter if Jordan Martinook is on that line or if it was Brock McGinn, we'll get to Brock McGinn uh, right now with this. But Steven Lorenz, here's a guy who, you know, his career, he just wanted a shot. You talk about when the door is open, you run through it. Steven Lorenz has ran through this door. Yep. I mean, with a smile on his face, too. And he's one of those guys that I think he's the coach's dream. The teammates love having him. He's an NHL player. Reporter's dream, too. Oh, yeah. He's great to talk to. But he is an NHL player. Period. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's proving that game after game. Uh, he's making it tough on on the coaching staff to really take him out of the lineup because he he seems to do something that um, is noticeable and is you know worthy of keeping him uh, in the lineup each and every game. Uh, you mentioned Brock McGinn. Yes, uh, that was the one. Uh, I guess minus from that. Yeah. Uh, that last game against the Dallas Stars, Brock McGinn leaving with an upper body injury. He played. Uh, uh, a little bit over a period. He, he had a couple of shifts in the second, left, tried to come back and, and give it a go, but you could tell he was clearly, um, you know, in some discomfort. And as Rod Brindamore said, that's a player who, if he comes out of the game, he's hurt. You know he's hurt. And Rod Brindamore calling him the toughest player that he's ever seen, um, you know, since since his playing days ended. Um that says a lot about Brock McGinn. It says a lot about what, what the head coach thinks of him. Um, and the Hurricanes are, you know, we, we don't really have a, a time frame of, of how long the Hurricanes are going to be without him, uh, the upper body injury that, that he suffered. But um, but Morgan Geeky, again, it's kind of the next man up mentality. He slots into the lineup against Florida. Um, 
And that's kind of the the depth you're going to need to count on. Because again, you know, looking at the Hurricanes rosters uh, and and the games that they've played this season, um, the 38 games that they've played this season, they've had Can their you believe roster. that? No. No, I can't. They've had their roster for exactly one of the games. And that was opening night in Detroit. Every other game they've played, they've had at least somebody out with injury, whether it's guys on the COVID protocol list, whether it's Peter Morazic with his uh, with his thumb injury, whether it's now Tevo Teravainen still dealing with some concussion symptoms, and now Brock McGinn with the upper body injury. At some point, you'd like to see that that full roster be able to play. But then again, it also says a lot about the depth this team sure. has that even when they're missing their starting goaltender or one of the best playmakers in the league or, you know, uh, whether they're missing a handful of players due to being on the COVID protocol list, that they have players that they can plug in. A gritty penalty killer in Brock McGinn. Penalty kill was outstanding against the Florida Panthers who have a top 10 power play in this league. Yeah, and the Hurricanes, that that was another thing um, about Tuesday night's game against Florida. The fact that the Hurricanes, one, got more than one power play for the first time in five games, uh, and then two... I have to correct myself. Florida has the 11th best power play. Oh, it's close enough. It's close enough. We'll let it slide. Trust me. Nobody lets, nobody lets anything slide anymore. But the Hurricanes are able to convert two of their four power play opportunities. Uh, should have been able to convert one prior. Uh, missed call, but... Um, but Vincent Trocek, of course, making up for it. He loves playing against his former team, apparently. If you ask him, he'll shrug it off. He'll say, you know, kind of luck of the draw. By crazy. the way, one of those power plays doesn't even count because it's only seven seconds. Well, only seven seconds. And the Hurricanes did technically score on it, but yeah, it didn't count. Yeah, I know. Sebastian Ajo scores a goal. Yeah. Wes McCauley blows it dead. Look, folks, can we get off of... <sighs> I, I, I hate doing this. Can I be real? Okay, be real. Can I be real? Be real, real. Can we get off this narrative that the referees hate the Carolina Hurricanes, please? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's... it's. A and I just said narrative, and I vowed never, <laughs> ever to say that before. <laughs> well, let's say this... Just uh, get off of this claim, concept. this thought process, this whatever. Yeah. It, I like... Oh, this guy hates the Canes. And, folks... If you go to the other 30 fan bases, and I'm sure Seattle already thinks the referees are against them as well. Oh, they are. I've I mean, got, I've got yeah. documentation. Oh, you've got, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that proves it. All right. But everybody thinks the refs are out to get them. And maybe they are. Maybe they're out to get everybody. Oh. <laughs> they're out to get every team. There you go. So either way, yeah. it works out. Yeah. Either they're out to get everybody or you just think that they're out to get you. I like Wes McCauley a lot. So do I. I think he's a very good official. He just happened to miss a call. Which, he's a human. Yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. Uh, he, from his angle, and that's the angle that, you know, referees in that situation are usually in, behind the net, he sees Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, you know, look like he's covering yeah. the puck. And honestly, from, from every angle except that one side angle, even from the top angle, it looks like he's got the puck covered, and then the Hurricanes maybe fish it loose or whatever. And he never really had. He went to cover it, he didn't, and yeah. his hand batted it away. But yeah. from McCauley's angle, and folks, it becomes a safety issue. Then, like he's blowing the puck dead because referees don't want goaltenders' hands to get chopped by sticks or somebody to step on somebody because they're wearing skates and they are sharp. Nice. And they are metal and they are sharp, and they don't want. They don't want something to happen. Now, this goes into, do you need to be absolutely 100% sure to blow the whistle? Look, if I'm refing the game, I'd like to think that I would do that. But if I'm sitting there and that game's moving this fast and I'm at that angle, I, I might blow the whistle. I don't know. I would say probably. But it's not. Wes McCauley wasn't like, oh, here's my chance. Whistle, no goal. And probably nine times out of ten, uh, he's he's probably right. Probably. Uh, it just so happened that. That was the tenth time. Yeah, that Bobrovsky didn't have it covered, but, and and that's that. Maybe but, maybe there's an argument to be made about incorporating that into replay. Yes, I'm I'm fine with that Coach's if it's clear. Challenge. Like because if the whistle is being blown and the puck is on Sebastian Ajo's stick and it's going to go in the net, then the whistle really doesn't. Nobody stops play. So I I know you could look at that. 
that opens up replay. But I'm just saying, for you to think that the referee consciously is sitting there going, I'm waiting for a moment where the ref, where the goaltender is going to attempt to cover the puck, but he doesn't have it covered, and I'm going to blow the whistle dead because I want to screw over this team. I understand what happened with Tim Peel, and what Tim Peel said was absolutely awful. You don't say that I wanted to give a team a penalty because, and ever, you just don't say it. Unless it, the because is because they committed, they committed a, a penalty, penalty. yes. <laughs> but don't say that you're looking for something. And I know that that's put everybody everywhere on edge. Sure. And I understand that when it comes to, folks, the officials had a tough time in this league before, and it got twice as hard with the thousands of eyeballs that are in the stands watching. Well, yeah, and now you can slow replays down to, you know, really frame by frame and and then when you can do and they're that, crystal clear too yeah. when you do that now yeah thank you hd you have to keep in mind too that you know these guys are doing that at, at full speed uh we're we're up top analyzing a game you know we can see things developing and this and that when you're down on the ice it's a completely different game so you know rod brennan rod brennamore is right these guys have the toughest jobs they're going to get calls wrong Wes mccauley got that call wrong i'm sure he would be the first to admit it um but Ultimately, it didn't really matter because Vincent Trocek uh, scored on the power play late in the period. Um, the Hurricanes got another power play goal early in the third period, uh, a goal that was originally given to Vincent Trocek, uh, but then was changed to Dougie Hamilton. Certainly sounded like it hit a stick from up top. I, well, Vincent Trocek in the first star of the game interview goes, yeah, that's Dougie's goal. I didn't touch mind. it. Uh, sounded like it hit something. Uh, I, maybe it was a Panther stick that it hit. Uh, but it found a way through uh, traffic in front. Vincent Trocek, Jordan Stahl, both uh, with net front presence, both with you know opportunities to get a stick on it. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky can't handle it, beats him. That ties the game. And then, of course, Jordan Stahl uh, with the big goal uh, to put the Hurricanes ahead in the third period um, with a shot uh, you know that we've seen. We've seen the Stahl brothers make this shot quite a bit. Just coming down, down the wing, Quick wrister sneaks through the goalie. There's got to be a, a side of the barn at the sod farm in Thunder Bay. Something. That's just abused. Oh, just, I mean, dented to absolute hell. Look at that. Looks like hell. Audrey. Audrey. It's Bush uh, League. But you just have to think that's older brother does it, younger brother copies it, and that is a patented stall move. You come down that wing and you're ripping to the far post. Signature, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Yep. So right. uh, uh, let's let's get to Jordan Stahl, who's coming up on his one thousandth game. Yes, he is. We'll He's do this three games away. We'll do this, and, and I go back to the Canes cast we did when we asked for who was the MVP at this point of the season. Yep, a couple Canes casts ago, yeah. and we casted our one, two, three, and then the always astute the Webb's Michael Smith goes in Jordan Stahl, and he does so many things. You take it for granted what he does. Uh, just on my notes for last night's game for Jordan Stahl, forget that he had the 10 goals and the 16 assists coming into the game before he scored two more. Mm -hmm. And that's where everybody is just so excited because he's scoring goals this year. He had 82 hits that leads the Carolina Hurricanes this season and forward. Cedric Paquette has more hits overall, but he started off with the Ottawa Senators, and Paquette has 80 hits since joining the team in February. So that's his role. But Jordan Stahl is pacing the Hurricanes with 82 hits for right now. He has 21 blocks as a forward, which to me, honestly, I think that seems low, but that's how they counted it up. He's third in the NHL in faceoff winning percentage at 59.9%, and I think that will might go up after last night. Uh, I've got to go back and check the numbers on that. Seems pretty good, though. He's played in his 997th game last night, going to play in his 998th. He, if you watch what he does, he takes away – the other team's best player. Yeah, each and every night. That's who he's nine out of nine shifts at home is lining up against the other team's best player. I've talked to a few guys who played against him, and it's just if you're an opposing player, you don't want to have to match up against Jordan Stahl for 20 minutes a night because you know that – when you go into the locker room after that game, after those really, really tough 20 minutes, 
you're going to be feeling it. Yeah. You're going to be feeling it because that is a big man. He's a strong man. You're channeling your inner Paul Maurice right there. <laughs> That's a big, strong man right there. He does. He's not going to make it easy on you no. at all. And chances are you're not going to be, you're not going to win a lot of face-offs one. Nope. Um, and you're going to just have a tough time, whether it's getting to the net or, um, you know, handling that big body in the defensive zone. It's just going to be a tough night. And so for the Hurricanes to have an asset like that is 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 huge. Okay. So that leads me to this. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Jordan Stahl will be one of the finalists for the Selkie Award, which goes to the league's best defensive forward this year. I'll take it. He should be. He should be. Now, it's the Selkie, also known as the Patrice Bergeron Award. Right. Uh, because he's won it, I think, the last 36 consecutive years. He hasn't I been in the league correct. that long, but I, yeah. the math does check. But he hasn't been up for it, yeah. which that alone is yeah. a it's a bit of a, a crime, but it goes back to it goes – he doesn't score 25 goals. Right. He doesn't have 65 points. It's as Rod Moore said. It is a, a complete, complete forward, and that does include point production. So this year, yeah. he is a complete forward in the eyes of point production. My argument is the face-off wins, the hits, the blocks, the heavy minutes that he plays, he's always amongst the forward leaders in minutes played, time on the ice by the end of the season for centers yeah. for what he does. And now he's got the goals and the assists to go with it. He should be one of the three finalists. And I know that there are a lot of really good defensive forwards out sure. there who yeah. score goals. Bergeron, Mark Stone in Vegas are probably one and two if you're looking at it. The dig in player of the month. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> there's a cheap plug for Shout our out. good friend. Yeah. Trip Tracy, enjoy that one. We'll take the royalty later. Yeah. Um speaking of, we need a dig in hat. Oh, you do have your dig in hat. Jones. Thank you. I do have my digging hat. Right now I'm wearing my storm brew yes. hat, though, because it's crispy. Both my storm brew and my digging hat are in my car right now. Yeah. Because you never know when you need them. You never know. Exactly. But for Stahl, I, I think that this is the year that he I, – I can't think of anybody around the league who I've watched, and I've watched uh, pretty much just the, the central. You know, If we're going to put cards on the table, I'm really just watching the central, whereas yeah, you, in years past you watch everything else. There's really no need to watch anything else because you, you don't see another team until the yeah. semifinal of the playoffs. I've, I've watched a little bit. It seems when I've watched games, I've watched the West because they're the late-night games, so I've watched a lot of the, the Western teams play. So I've seen Colorado. I've seen Vegas play they're pretty uh, good. a ton. Yeah, yeah, those two teams are really good. Jordan Stahl should be one of the finalists for the Selkie this year. Yep. I'll I'll throw another one to Ooh. you, a Jordan Stahl-related one. Oh! Yeah. Uh, wait, jo- wait. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Because now you're coming up with these, oh, and yeah. now I'm starting to expect this. Yeah, going against the bit now. Uh, so Jordan Stahl will be the last Stahl standing in the playoffs this season. Oh, now, okay. granted, there's only one other one that... Is, is going to make the playoffs correct. unless there's a trade. That's and true. one's already been traded. That's true. Uh, no, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, so. I'll take that now. Can I get a caveat in there? Can I get a, an asterisk? What's your asterisk? It's, does Mark Stahl get traded? Oh, okay. Because uh, if Mark Stahl gets traded from Detroit. I, th- I don't think he'll get traded. But I'm just saying if he does, he's the guy who I could see a team going, okay, we need a physical defenseman who's gone to the Stanley Cup before – yeah. Uh, you know, a 5'6 defenseman who can kill penalties for us, be rugged. Like, I could see him being a guy who gets moved. Yeah. I'm just saying. So, and that's the kind of deal where look what Tampa Bay did last year where they picked up Zach Bogosian uh, for nothing. Tampa would be looking for a guy where it wouldn't break the bank to bring him in there, you know, to. That one would, yeah. Well. They don't have any. They have like cap four dollars of cap space. Yes, but when you get to the playoffs, there's no salary cap, right? But so if they can find a way to fit that in, but yeah, they have no. Chance. They had to. They had to play shorthanded the other day. That's the one reason I don't know if he will get dealt because I don't know if there's a team that's in contention that could really take on that contract at the moment. But so. that's why I reserve that. If he gets dealt, because Mark Stahl is a piece that I think that some 
general managers out there looking at going, you know, if we could fit him, if we find a way to fit him in there. Selfishly hoping he doesn't, because if he doesn't, then he'll be in the building for Jordan Stahl's thousandth. Yes. That'll be wonderful. I would 1,000% agree with that and see what I did there. The wild card, of course, being... No, you didn't. You just ran right past No, no, I saw what you did there. Uh, the wild card, of course, <laughs> being the North Division. Yes. And who's going to come out of that division? It, Not it Vancouver. Could, no. It could very well be Montreal. Um I'm still going to go Toronto's the best team talent-wise, so maybe. No, they are talent-wise. I know that they've got some goaltending issues right now, but they've got some issues. But it doesn't matter cuz their playoff is going to play out like their regular season. First one to 8 wins the game. Yeah. So So that's it, but yeah, I'll take it. Jordan right. Stall will Jordan Stall will be the uh the last stall standing when the playoff musical chairs ends this year. Shall we take some voicemails? Absolutely. All right, if you have a question or comment, for the show, or you want to toss us a Storm Brew ad read or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. We're always for that. Yeah, always. Uh, just give us a call, 919-500-7819. The line's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, give it a call. You'll hear the two of us greet you, and then uh, you can leave your voicemail, 919-500-7819. Hey, guys. This is Ryan from British Columbia, Canada. I'm going to be fully honest with you guys i'm a diehard flames fan but i also love the canes and i keep track for fantasy purposes as well i was wondering what your guys thoughts are on the future of the goalie situation i apologize if you guys have already went over this in a previous podcast that i missed but i'm just curious because i know Mrazek's close to coming back and Najelkovic has looked great in with with a with a fairly limited workload, so it seems like he could be the goalie of the future. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for the call, Ryan from British Columbia. Thanks for supporting the team, even though you are a diehard Flames fan. It's international. Take yeah. care, guy. That's very good. He's from he's from Calgary. It's a good reference. Well, British Columbia. Yeah, so not but he Calgary. likes the Flames. Yeah, so, so I put um, him in Alberta. I moved him a province over. And should note that this uh, call came in. Uh, last Wednesday before Peter Morazic returned, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, the Hurricanes have three healthy goaltenders now. Yeah. And but he's, I think he's talking for the future, like well, yeah. in the year 2000. I mean, that's, that's even a more complicated question because... Well, no, we no. can morph this question into we don't have to answer the now, we could answer the future, or we could answer the now. How do you want to answer it? The web's Michael Smith. Did I just blow your mind because time is a flat circle? You completely blew my mind. I mean, he, here's what I see now is I see Peter Morazic being the starting goaltender. Yes. Um, the Hurricanes, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with James Reimer and Alex Nedeljkovic. Do you rotate the, them as backups? When do you rotate them in to get starts? Because it's not going to be great if one sits out yep. for too long. That's a complicated question. Maybe, you know, the trade deadline is Monday. Maybe something gets sorted out by then. For the future, it's even more complicated because yep. no one has contracts. Right. Beyond the season. Right. So. But depending on what the asking price is for those three goaltenders, you could probably posit a guess that Alex Nedeljkovic would be the less expensive of the three yes. to work out a deal with. So moving into the future... That could be something that he's shown he can play in this league. Small sample size uh, and a hybrid season, we know. But he's shown that he can play. So he could be the goalie standing for next year if you want to go to the future. But we can't see into the future if we could. Uh, Michael and I would have won the lottery a lot by now. Yeah, and we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. That Well, no, I think we would. Just Maybe just from fun. remotely on a, an island. Yes. Tropics. Uh, yes. All right. Hello, this is Jack from D.C. calling again. And the reason why I'm calling is I'm wondering if you guys could sort of reflect on where the hurricanes stand now in comparison to their history. Uh, I would make an argument that right now they're in the best of times. They're in a situation where they went to the conference finals uh, three years ago. They can expect or at least hope to make the playoffs for a third year in a row, which is certainly a rarity in this organization. Uh, there were two other comparable times. One, of course, was the year they won the Stanley Cup. But, of course, they did not uh, go to, to the playoffs very much around that area. They went uh, 05 and 06, and then, of course, back to the conference finals in 09. 
And then years ago, back in the 90s, they had a, a short run when, when they were the Whalers, when they actually were able to make the playoffs several years in a row. But I would say that in terms of sustainable victories and, and sustainable success, this really is the best of times, that they're looking at a situation where they have really built a good team, that, a young team that's one that's meant for the future, and that regardless of whatever actually happens in the playoffs this year, they can be, expect to be competitive for a number of years uh, going forward. And you can look back and say, well, why didn't that happen in the decade before they started going back to the playoffs uh, the last three years? Point to a lot of different management decisions, Alexander Semin, for example, uh, Scott Darling, and a number of other things. But once they change management, they've now built a team that's meant to have sustained success for the future. Let me know what you guys think. Thank you. Thanks for that call, Jack. It's a big call. Lots dense informational uh, yes, a I volume would, of which we've never never seen. heard on this podcast. But he, uh, you know, fit it all in there. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. This is probably when you look at the ebbs and flows of a franchise. You're in, uh, you're in a good period of time right now. Every franchise goes through the the highs and the lows. You you mentioned too that the Hurricanes were, you know. They weren't able to sustain the highs. You obviously had the run to the the Stanley Cup final in in o two, winning the Stanley Cup uh, in o six, uh, returned to the Eastern Conference final in o nine. That was kind of the the real meat of the Hurricanes playoff success. But there were he a, kind of ignored that that late nineties Hurricanes success where yeah, a couple of playoff you know, they got got into the playoffs. It's like it started their second year when they moved here. They got in the playoffs and they missed. And they got into the playoffs, and they went to the Stanley Cup final. So that was a decent run, three out of four. But yeah. you look at, at you know this team. Really, the only time they had any sustained success where they made the playoffs every year was in the the mid '80s uh, into the '90s when they were the Whalers. Yeah, back when I'm pretty sure they just let almost every team. Pretty much. Well, there was like play. there there were. Trying to remember, it was the very exact similar number. to. There was about 22, 21 teams in the league, and, it and was, sixteen made the playoffs. Right, and it was similar to this in that, like the top four top four in each, each division. division made it. Yeah, so you just had to be four out of five in the Adams division at at the time. Right. Uh, that being said, the the whale went on a run from eighty six to ninety two of making the playoffs. Yeah. So that was their. That was their epoch as far as making the playoffs, but no, I, Jack's hundred percent right. This is it. Yeah, this, this is, is the the high. This is the high tide for the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes because of the players they have, the success that they've had. You see it getting better every single year. It's not like just sustaining, just maintaining. Right. You see it improving every single, almost every single game. It feels like you see this team improving. Yeah, and you want to see it capped with a Stanley Cup, whether that's this year, whether that's you know next year in a couple years, whenever that is. You want to see this uh, sustained success, this perennial playoff magic turn into the ultimate prize. All right, this isn't a, a like-it-take-it, but I'm, I'm going to put it out anyway. So the Canes have 18 games left. Mm -hmm. In 68 games last year, they had 38 wins. Mm -hmm. They're only going to play 56 games this year. Are they going to get to 38 wins? Because uh, we this is something that's been talked about before. That means that they would have to go... And 12, 12 and 4. 18. That's, yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, and the schedule, you know. I mean, 10 and 6 is a great number. They get to 36 wins on that schedule. It's I was gonna say, phenomenal. I was going to say, I'll I'll book it at 35. I'll take the over on, I'll take the over on 35. Okay. 38. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. But, you know, 10 wins in the month of March. Their winning percentage will be outstanding. Yeah. Why not, eh? Yeah. Hey, this is Stuart calling from Seattle again. So I was wondering, because of the pandemic, I mean, I would think we would be the Canes would be doing like a 15th year anniversary for the 0506 team that won the cup, because I know they did a 10 year thing for them. But are they postponing it because of the pandemic and planning to do it next season? Or are they not just doing it at all? I was just wondering that. Anyway, have a good day, guys. Bye. Well, thank you, Stuart. Hope you have a good day as well. Uh, I'm sure that 
there would have been some recognition, but I don't know how you feel about this, Michael. I just don't think that you can – I know it's the only Stanley Cup winner in the organization's history. Yep. In any time, you know, working on the, the DECA system, or what would it be for just based on fives? Um, you know, you just don't want to keep pulling that out every right. five years from now. Especially now, too, that the Hurricanes – uh, like Jack from D.C. mentioned, are in a state yeah. where they've got a good team and they can legitimately compete for a Stanley Cup this year. You don't need to rely on past successes yeah. as much. I mean, it's it's obviously good to acknowledge that whenever June 19th rolls around, you know, you 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 mark it down. You, sure. you note it like, hey, this many years ago, this happened because that's a moment you're never going to forget. Yep. But as far as anniversaries go, yeah, I mean, obviously, one, the pandemic is makes yeah. travel impossible. Yeah, you couldn't bring anybody back. There's nobody in the arena yeah. uh, to start the season to uh, celebrate that team and those players. But, you know, you start doing that every five years, I think it takes a little luster off of it. Yeah. Um, you can go every 10, every 20. I'm not telling anybody how to celebrate a championship or, you know, how the organization should go about, you know, honoring those champions because those guys are champs forever. And forever. I can speak forever, ever. Forever. I can speak for the Webb's Michael Smith, and I'm definitely speaking for, for me on this. I love talking to the guys on that team oh, who are around 100%, it. Yeah. Just what a great group. And it starts with their captain, Rod Brindamore, who's now the head coach. And it can go to everybody who was on that team that hoisted the cup. They're just great to talk to. And it's, it makes life easy for us with you know, reporters and the roles that we have that we've done. But, you know, for me, 10, 20, 25, you know, those are, yeah, those are our special numbers for a, a championship. Yeah. Like, like 15, like, yeah, I don't even know it, on a wedding anniversary. What do you get for your 15th anniversary? I don't know. I Some, don't know uh, either. Like a card. Maybe. So I bet you, I bet you it's something like paper or cardboard. Yeah. All right. Maybe a new dishwasher. Um, those sort of things come in handy. Shoes. Yeah. Maybe it's just some, uh, like a time, a day to relax. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Some time off. All right. I'm looking it up right now. I'll filibuster while you look it up. Oh, no, it's because now it's. Well, there are two. There's traditional and there's modern. Yeah, that's what I'm looking so for. So it's got there's a, two different types of gifts. <sighs> Beautiful cut glass. Great. Watches and clocks. Excellent. That's what it says. So also crystal but doesn't say any other kind of crystal. So okay. that could be anything. So the traditional gift is crystal. If we were in Italy, it's porcelain. So we'll send uh, the Stanley Cup team some crystal this some year. Some crystal this year. There you go. All right. Works for me. What's up, Mike and Michael? This is Holland from Cary. Um, just wanted to give a call and give a quick like it, take it, uh, the first one that I've ever tried um, to put up here. Like it, take it. If you don't, send it right back. When the Hurricanes make the playoffs this season, Alex Nedeljkovic will be the number one go-to starter in the playoffs. All right, guys. Hope you like it. Have a good one. Well, thanks for calling in, Hollins. Well done for your first time. Yeah. Um, I should note, too, that Hollins sent this in on Saturday. Before Peter Morazic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, you know, knowing what we know now, I'll send it back. Just because you know we've seen Peter Morazic come back, he's been good, so I think he's your your number one going into the playoffs. Yeah, but thanks for the call, Hollins. Yep, um, well done. Yeah, uh, call again soon. Executed it perfectly. Hey, Mike and Michael, this is Sheev calling again. I know you guys told me to call back in and clarify about uh, the food options. So I was calling, um, you know, was calling the day after the uh, after we beat the Stars in a very physical. Awesome game. It was great to see our team come out with that physicality, get 54 hits, which is, like, crazy and unheard of. But um, I was talking about, uh, as Mike alluded to, talking about uh, vegetarian meat-free options. So that's what I was asking about. It would be great to know where to find those whenever I go watch the Hurricanes again. Um, if you guys could point that out, uh, that would be fantastic so I'd get a good meal while watching some great Canes hockey. So, again, great to see the Canes come out playing physical. I uh, love that we can get to that game. Uh, I think that'll pay dividends when we come uh, uh, go into the playoffs because uh, I think we're, we're, you know, we're definitely going to be uh, locked for the playoffs and uh, 
just look forward to seeing some great play by our team. So thanks, guys, and uh, take care. Well, thanks, Sheev. Uh, and he makes a good point, too, uh, that we failed to mention in that game, uh, second game against yeah. the Dallas Stars and the Hurricanes, 54 hits, the second most in a single game that they've recorded since the NHL even began tracking hits. Yeah, second most this season, by the way. Most the Canes ever had in a game was against the Florida Panthers in 2011 when they had 57 hits. Yeah, big physical game. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's funny how labels happen, and we were talking about this last night, and Trip Tracy absolutely loses his mind over people think that the Canes are easy to play against, and I think it's the thought process of how the NHL used to be in the 80s, 90s, and maybe even the early 2000s before the rule changes after the, the lockout cost a season. Thanks, Gary. Um, but it's this is not an easy team to play against. And folks, get out of the mindset of dropping the gloves and, and being that kind of physical. That Those days are gone in the NHL. Maybe for better, maybe not, depending on your point of view. Uh, I, I hated the staged fights, but you get a look at how this Canes team plays. That's why they went out and got Cedric Paquette yep. to go and hit people. But if you take a look, Stephen Lorenz hits. Brock McGinn, when he's in the lineup, hits. Jordan Martinook hits. Martinook had seven hits and a goal against the Dallas Stars in that game. Yeah, Jordan and, Stahl just runs into people and it's a hit because yeah. he's so big. Yeah, I, I just take a look at how this team plays. They don't get pushed around, say, the way they did four or five seasons ago. No, and it's the game now is much more predicated on speed and skill and puck pressure than it is that grinding sort of muck it up, slow them down. Big hits. Right. Dallas has to rely on that, I think, because they don't have as much speed as the Hurricanes do. Whereas a team like Florida does have some speed where they can kind of keep up with the Hurricanes and, and trade, you know, chance for chance at either end. Yeah, and look, Brady Shea delivers hits. You can ask his teammate, Jesper Faust. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he also delivered a big hit in that Dallas game. I mean, you, you just run down the list. The, the Canes right now check all of the boxes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and she, by the way, uh, yes, you can. Yes, find, you, yes, go for the vegetarian I'm, options. I'm sorry I, I misunderstood your call uh, last week. But there are, <laughs> there are vegetarian options in the building. Um, it, we're currently... Uh, there is a limited uh, menu available, but yeah. that's expanding the more uh, fans that come in the building. Uh, so you'll find, uh, basically, you can find the same thing uh, at most every uh, food and beverage stand here at the arena, uh, but there will be some vegetarian options available for you. Uh, uh, apologies for steering you in the direction of chicken tenders, which are decidedly not yeah, that's, vegetarian. That is not vegetarian. I am not a vegetarian, and I knew that was not vegetarian. My bad, Chief. Hey, Mike and Michael, it's Nick from Ohio again. Just got done watching the boys wrap up with the Panthers. And my goodness, what a what a game. That was such a great game to watch. Uh, well, my my question for you guys has, is basically, what's been most impressive about this team to you guys? For me, not only has it been our goaltending playing like someone bet them that they couldn't play, so they said, here, hold my storm brew, and have been phenomenal. But on top of that it has been the no quit, no just no stopping them. Like, they go down, and, and I'm not worried. You know, in the past, you might get a little worried, but they go they go down, they fight right back. They, they go down again right away after tying it up. Nothing. They just they just fight right back, and then they just take over the game like it was. Just they just take over, and it, and it is so impressive to watch. And I just love knowing that even if we're down, we're gonna probably tie it back up and bring and not even tie it up, but win it because we just fight and fight and fight. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? What's the most impressive thing about this team this year? I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for the podcast. It definitely helps get me through days. Uh, I hope you guys have a good one. Go Canes. Well, thanks for that call, Nick. Uh, glad you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for your call as always. Um, I think you kind of answered the question of what's most impressive is just the fact that 
you know, this is a team that never goes away. And Rod Brindamore said said as much after the game uh, on Tuesday night uh, against Florida is that there's no quit in this team. And even when they're down, they just keep playing. When something happens, they just keep playing. It's all about the next shift. And uh, even though the Hurricanes were down heading into the third period, the fifth time that's been the case this season, just the fifth time too. In 38 games, the Hurricanes have only trailed entering the third period five times. Last night, they were able to finally get a victory. Uh, they were 0-4-0 before that. Um, but they just, you know, it, it's a team that just that just doesn't quit. And when they face a deficit, they have enough skill and enough talent and enough compete to work their way back into the game. And that's uh, that's extremely impressive, and that's why you're seeing them win so many games. I'll boil it down. Something even simpler than that. Their effort in every game this year has been the same. Yeah. That's the most impressive thing to me. Do you know how hard it is to do that uh, in a normal circumstance as a professional athlete? Now, have they had some games where you know they they were a little a little off, a little loose here and there? Yeah. I mean that You're going to have those. It's going to happen. You're going to have periods like that. There's never going to be you show me a game where from start to finish a team plays a perfect game, it doesn't exist. But even if they do, again, it goes back to people put the blinders on. The other team gets paid to play, too. Right. That's why there's never going to be a game where a team plays from start to finish a perfect game. There are going to be shifts. There are going to be periods. Yeah, there's going to be a turnover. Again, yeah. it's a game played by humans. It's all about... mistakes will be made. Yeah, and it's all about how you respond. And but, the Hurricanes this year have the talent level the compete level, the dedication level to, to respond. But for me, it's the effort. Every post game, yep. Rod Brindamore has come out this year and said, our effort was there. And he's right. That's not coach speak. There has not been a game this year that I've called where I sat down the headset afterwards and went, that was a bad effort from the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. There's been, wow, there were some bad mistakes. Sure. And yeah. they'll admit it. And the, the great thing about this team, they'll tell you when they had that you know, when they've had winning streaks, you know, we're not playing our best, but the effort, they might not be playing the best, but everybody's giving the effort to yeah. win the game. You know, nobody's sitting there going, I'm going to coast tonight. And that one nothing victory against the Dallas Stars, that's close to a perfect game. Even though it's the final score is one nothing. Michael, everybody hit. Everybody was part of the game. Everybody did something. But it was still only a one nothing game because the Stars – their goalie was good. They had chances. So just to appreciate the effort and the Canes' effort this year, that to me has been the most impressive thing. I, I guess you can say resiliency and all of that. Yeah. The effort from start to finish of the game, I don't question the Hurricanes coming out of a game going, well, they didn't have – they didn't put in the effort to win tonight. They always put in the effort to win. Uh, I think maybe you can count on two fingers – games where you looked at it and said, ah, they, they should have been a lot better than what they were, but the effort's always there. Yep. And nice work on the Storm Brew reference, too. Yeah, that was that's... very well done, Nick, from Ohio. Mike and Mike, hello. It's uh, Paul calling here again from across the pond. Um, first off, I've just popped into a couple of grocery stores here in the UK, asked for Storm Brew by name, as you uh, advised me to do, and the number of blank faces... Um, startled me a little bit getting storm brew here in the uk is impossible so with your guys connections if you can uh, sort me out a case and, and get it sent over i'd much appreciate it um massively enjoyed the last episode you know looking back at the the month of march that you know was just incredible for the hurricanes uh great play throughout the year just proven depth in the side with with tavo and trotrek being out and still be able to produce produce what we did in the month of March. Really enjoyed that episode. And it got me thinking, you know, what questions are we going to be asking or how are we going to be reviewing um, the month of April when we look at that in a few weeks' time? And it uh, uh, made me think of a take it, leave it for you. So my take it, leave it for you is this. In April's review, when we do that in a few weeks' time, the Hurricanes will have a little asterisk next to the name, having clinched a playoff spot. Um, now, looking at it, most of the teams in, in the lower half of our division have probably got five or six games in the month of May. So, basically, I, I believe that the Canes will be at least 12 points ahead of fifth place 
come the 1st of May. Uh, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on that. Once again, thanks for a great show. Love listening. Five-star review from me. Um, moi moi. Oh, thanks, Paul. I would really? love to. I would love to be able to ship him a case. Right I now. yeah. I would love to be able to share a few storm brews with you, Paul. Um, really enjoy your calls. Um, and that's a good thought. And by the way, UK, get it together. No yeah. blank faces. Yeah. When get, somebody asks for storm brew, you call R and D Brewing and say, "Hey, hey, give me some of that ninety-seven calorie, two point four carb storm brew. I want the good stuff." People here in the UK are asking for it. Hi. Thank you. They want it. Give the people what they want. Thank you. Yeah, and they want Stormbrew. Yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, I'm bad at math. Freedom so. in Stormbrew for the Scottish. <laughs> All yeah. right. A uh, little too much there. <laughs> I'm bad at math, so uh, <laughs> imagining the playoff picture come the end of April is kind of a, a scary thought. But, All right. But I'll take it. Yeah, I'm going to take that as well. The Canes have... 12 more games here in this month. Mm-hmm. So if they win, I'm going to do this for you. If they go seven and five, which I, you and I both think they'll probably be better than that, right? In their 12 remaining games. Seven and five? Yeah, probably better than that. But if they go seven and five, they'll have 69 points at the end of the month. That's very nice. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that that's they'll have an asterisk because they're going to yeah. be better than that. And taking a look at Nashville, Chicago, Columbus, and Dallas, uh, well, Dallas has four games in hand on Columbus as of right now and three on Nashville and Chicago. Those teams are going to play each other. Somebody's going to take points away from somebody. Yeah, Canes are going to keep or Canes are going to take points away from them. I mean, if if they don't already have an asterisk, it'll be very close. Uh, the more, I think, interesting question will be, where are they one, two, three? That's the more interesting question. But, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with Paul. I'm going to take it. I think that the yeah. Canes will, will have a playoff spot clinched when we get to the final day of April. Clinched with an eye. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Good for you. All right. Perfect place to end this one. Yeah. Uh, thanks, uh, everyone who called in. Again, if you have a question or comment for the show, just give us a ring, 919-500-7819. It's open at all hours of the day. So whenever you have a thought that you'd like to share with us, maybe we'll play it on the next episode of Canescast. What's Nine, that number again? It is 919-500-7819. Oh, I like how you kind of smoothed it out there like the oh, yeah. quiet storm. Like Stormbrew? Yeah, exactly. Which is just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs per serving. Brought to you by R&D Brewing, and it's the fine sponsor of Canescast. And you can get it for 5 dollars and sixteen ounce cans here at PNC Arena when the Canes are home which they will be for another five games. What more could you want? $5 delicious beer and hockey. Evidently beer in the UK. Well, I I agree with our friend well, Paul. Well, Storm Brew in the UK. Yeah, they do that's have, true. They do have beer there. They, yes, I think they have some. Some beer. <laughs> just think Guinness. All righty. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no. It's just not Storm Brew. There, that's all. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Even better. All right. All right. With that, we will uh, close the books here on episode 170 of Kane's Cast. For the webs, Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week. Moy moy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast. Go Kane.